And so it's kind of like there's this, there's two levels of humility, uh, really three levels of humility. The kind of humility I had before I didn't get into the program, which was zero. I got humiliated quite a bit, but didn't seek any humility. New in the program enough to stay sober, but not enough to feel necessarily happy, joyous, and free. The longer I work those steps and do what you guys have told me to do, the consistency of that leads to the happiness, right? The happiness is the residue of really practicing the principles in all my affairs, using these steps everywhere. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Hi-yo! That was a little tip of the hat to Mr. Ed McMahon there. That was the voice of Mr. Casey W. W. I just like saying that word. W. That you heard at the beginning of this here episode, episode number 265, and you will be hearing... So much more from him in un momento, but first things first, this here episode is brought to you by Adrian, Ann, Kurt, Todd, Terry, Lou, and Anonymous. What do you ask? What may you ask? Did I don't think I have that right. Did Adrian and Ann and Kurt and Todd and Terry and Lou and Anonymous do to deserve such a mention? Well, they went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on a little yellow donate tab and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Adrian and Ann and Kurt and Todd and Terry and Lou and Anonymous. This here episode is coming right out to Ewan's. All right. So let's get on it. You know, by the way, we did have a gentleman. What's his name? Nicholas. Yeah, Nicholas has been emailing me or Nick, excuse me, Nick, Nick has been emailing me and saying, Hey, John M, can you please set up a Venmo uh, to make it easier for me to uh, make a contribution? And I I need to look into it quite honestly, I haven't done it. And so I'm going to try but uh, um, anyway, Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot there. So what do we have here this week? Oh, 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 we are going to have a big shindig. It's going to be another Sober Speak Live again. And I think it's been like a a year since we've done this. But this here Sober Speak Live is going to be on December 2nd. 
It's going to be with the one and only Gary Kay from Sulphur Springs, Texas. Many of you will be familiar with Gary Kay from The Pod. And uh, this event is going to start at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be at the Grace Avenue United Methodist Church in Frisco, Texas. Um, What else do I need to tell you? I think that's about it. So, oh. If you want more information on the SoberSpeak Live event, go to our website, www.soberspeak.com. Look at the tab at the top of the page, not like a tab, like a, you know, tab from back in the long day. Do they still make tab, the soft drink? You know, like uh, it was zero calorie, one calorie Coke or something like that. I bet they don't even make it anymore. But anyway, not that kind of tab, but a tab in the internet world. So it's all context, right? Anyway, uh, go to our website (laughs) and you look at the tab at the top of the page that says, guess what? Sober Speak Live. And there you will get all the information you need. The, The deets, as the kids say nowadays, the deets will be there. Um, and oh, not only are we going to have it live at Grace Avenue United Methodist Church, where folks will be attending, and we couldn't do this for a long time, you know, because of COVID, and we did a couple of them via Zoom, but it's not quite the same feel, but we will be broadcasting this, what do you call that, broadcasting? Streaming is probably the word. We will be sending this event uh, via Zoom, and I don't have the Zoom info up there yet, but I bet by the time you hear this, I probably will have the Zoom info there, um, but you can uh, come in and join us no matter where you are. We would love to have you along. Uh, if by any chance you're coming and you need some child care, let me know. Write me at john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com, and we'll make some arrangements. All right. Um... You know, it was interesting this week. Uh, for the first time ever, Ma, me, was watching some, uh, was watching a, um, uh, uh, a streaming series. Is that what you call it? Like, in other words, <laughs> I'm watching a series on TV, which is streamed. It's called Ted Lasso. I'm sure a ton of you know about it, but I am very behind the times. I have never actually watched a series. I, I'm, I think I'm up to like season two or something like that now, but anyway, or, or season two and a, uh, season two and a half or a, a, a few episodes into season two. But the only reason I bring this up is not to let you know my viewing habits during the week, but the reason I bring this up is because there's a it was a scene I saw, and once again, for those of you who are who have been watching this forever, you know all the stuff about Ted Lasso. This is going to be old news to you, but it reminded me of AA. I'm bringing this back around. Uh, I trust me, trust me very much. But anyway, um, uh, there's a scene in there where he's playing darts and and he beats somebody at the end. And, uh, you know, some of you will know that scene. Oh, don't mean to be a spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen it. But anyway, uh, there is a line in Ted Lasso where he says, be curious, not judgmental. And I immediately thought, and it was a it was a great scene, by the way. But when he says it, be curious, not judgmental, it made me think of. Ooh, let me go find it here. The 
appendix in the back of the big book where it's talking about spiritual experience. And it says there is by her, and it quotes Herbert Spencer. And it says, there is a principle, which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. And so anyway, I thought of that as soon as I heard Ted Lasso say that. Be curious, not judgmental for what it's worth. Now, on to our featured guest of the week. And that guest is... Casey W. And we are, and we, we end up, well, okay, so let me tell you. So this is about step six and seven, but you will notice that we start out, as I do many times, talking about something in particular. We were going to spin the step wheel. For those of you who don't know what the step wheel is, it's not worth explaining, right? Anyway, it's a little wheel we spin and, you know, you come up with a step. It's just kind of random conversation about a particular step. But anyway, So we started out by spinning the step wheel, but then we turn a corner and take a deep dive into steps six and seven. So we talk about several things, thoroughness and honesty in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, the key of willingness. We talk about gossip. We also talk about an organization that uh, Casey is very involved in or has been over the years. It's called Young People in AA. Uh, Ippy Paw? Whippy Paw? I don't know. We, we, we talk about how you say that in the, uh, in the uh, actual episode. I hope I'm not uh, bastardizing the name. But nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen... I present to you none other than my friend, Mr. Casey W. And we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this here episode. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So today we are, I'm already giggling because (laughs) (laughs) because we've been, I don't know, Casey's just been cracking jokes before we got on air here. Uh, We're sitting here. With Mr. Casey W. one more time. So, Casey, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, give that sobriety date if you choose, and tell people where you live, please. All right. Casey W., alcoholic, uh, January 13th of 1990 is my sobriety date, and I am from beautiful Frisco, Texas. (laughs) And so, just so people know where I am... uh, Cracking up about so, uh, Casey. I was I was saying, you know, what's your sobriety date again? And he told me it was January of uh, nineteen ninety. And I, uh, by the grace of God, of May May of nineteen eighty nine. And I said, Yeah, I got like uh, seven months on you. And you said, What? I said, Well, I don't know if that was a quality seven months. You know, just based on the results, John. Just based on the results so far. And so I think of it in this way, like. Um, um, I know, Casey, sometimes we talk and, you know, uh, I talk to you about some of my hard times. You talk to me about some of yours. Yep. Uh, we're very close that way. And I'm always thinking in my head, hey, Casey, if you just if you just hang in there for seven more months. <laughs> You'll figure it out. It's all going to start to make sense. <laughs> just trust me on I it. I wonder, too, if with our banter, people are like, did John and Casey really like each other? <laughs> I feel like it's one of the cool things about the program is getting to know people really well and have a good time. Yes. Uh, and and so this is another thing I wanted to say that you had mentioned when you came up to the door 
Uh, you rang the doorbell. I answered it. And you said, you feel like we're going to have a good session. Why? Well, when I walked up, there were seven doves that flew off from your side yard. I didn't know if you always greeted your guests that way. I know you're a hospitable person. I feel like a, a dove release was extravagant, but you know, whatever, whatever you're up to. I don't know. <laughs> you know, last time we got together, we talked about the topic wheel. And I don't know exactly, I don't remember what we talked about really, but I do remember we had a good time. Mm-hmm, we and, absolutely did. And in fact, there's a, if she's listening right now, Sherry from our group okay, yep. came up and she said she was traveling on a plane going mm-hmm. somewhere. And the guy next to her was uh, drinking. And uh, she says, I'm going to spin up a little podcast. Oh, how about a little sober speak? She spun <laughs> and she listened to me and you yes. and she said she goes you guys were just cackling the whole time <laughs> awesome i love uh, it all right so last time we did you know this is this is something i'm going to actually talk about on the video we're, we're hopefully we'll get to the uh to the step yep. wheel here in a yep. moment but i you know it's like i know when you when i am struggling with something uh or we're struggling with something that you know aa related whatever mm-hmm. the case may be there's got to be other people talking about it yep. and so recently what see okay you kind of convicted me if you mm-hmm. will uh last week mm-hmm. talking about our group the first mm-hmm. go fourth yep. dimension that's group. right and I, I thought that was very because I have been I have been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I have been praying about yep. it. We have a meeting that meets once a week. Yep. It's called Frisco Fourth Dimension. Just over a year now. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, about a year and a half. Yep. Yeah, right in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's oh, you know what? I think in March or April. Yeah, you're right. It'll, it'll be like like two years. But yeah, yep. about a year now. Yep. And um, so uh, you know, we just kind of spun it up. A group of us got together. And we never really did anything formal. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, we, we had a bunch of emails that were going back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. to make decisions on the front end. You yep. weren't involved with that because yep. you weren't part of our group. Well, I mean, I, you know, it's an invite only thing and it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not, I'm not bitter about it or anything. <laughs> and so, uh, but you uh, approached me last week and you said, hey, when is this group, we meet once a week again, going to have a, a group conscience. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about that since, uh, you know, we probably need to, mm-hmm. we've been trying to do, but tell me what I, I the reason I'm bringing it up is yeah. because I got a feeling there's other groups out there that kind of go through sure. the same thing, yeah. right? They don't go through the formalization process mm-hmm. of, you know, uh, contacting GSO. By the way, we do give money to GSO, yep. Yep. uh, and we give money to the church. That's mm-hmm. where we distribute all. It's about mm-hmm. half and half, right? And are we on intergroup? Can you go to intergroup? and find the meeting yes we okay. are yeah 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 so it's pretty yeah if you go to the meeting app yeah yeah it's on there nice so anyway i just want to get your thoughts on that um and then uh, and then we'll probably turn to the topic wheel yeah. after that yeah I, I think group conscience is a cool thing it's interesting it talks about in the 12 step and the 12 and 12 the different kinds of service work that we can do, right? And we think of 12-step work as sponsoring somebody, but there's a lot of other service to be done in Alcoholics Anonymous, certainly. And I think there are a lot of people who get very involved in general service, you know, the initial 
kind of entry point to general service is our group conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a couple of things. One is we haven't really had a lot of controversy or anything that we needed to vote on, you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, that it hasn't felt a big need for group conscience. But I think that's a great thing about group conscience is someone has an idea and they present it to the group and we decide whether we want to do it or not as a group. And then the second thing I think that's great, when I first got sober, I got real involved in group conscience and Uh, had a service commitment at group conscience. Uh, My first big service commitment I remember was being GSR of the Westlake group in Austin. And I, I think I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma for an area meeting one time or a regional meeting one time. And it it was like kind of the first time I traveled for something like that. And it, it was cool to get to be that involved in Alcoholics Anonymous, get to hear about what other things that are going on. But, you know, uh, even the greeter chair, the speaker chair, the, you know, the chairperson, the secretary, the treasurer, you know, there's so many opportunities for people to be more plugged into Alcoholics Anonymous. And so I, I I love group conscience because of that. I know not everybody loves group conscience. I get some specific people are coming to mind who just are not interested and that's okay too. Um, but I do think it's a great way to be involved, to serve. Um, and so it's interesting to think about what do you do with the group that's meets once a week that doesn't really have a whole lot to talk about, but I'm sure we'll get some notes from people telling us right. what exactly what we should do, and I'm happy to hear that. And you know, like Jimmy D, right? Like his 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 meeting his meeting. Uh, I say his meeting. Yeah, they're the meeting that he attends. Yep. Right? Uh, they meet once a week, and I know that they are really involved yep. in service. Right? right. And so they're you know, I, I just you know, sometimes I, I'm lazy, and I like from my perspective, <laughs> I want to keep it simple. Right. You know, Ain't broke. Yes, uh-huh. uh, but I understand the need yeah. for it as well. I think so. it's something good to talk about. Right. All right. So let's go ahead then and turn our attention. Well, last time Casey came on the uh, the podcast here, we we had a, a topic uh, a topic wheel, mm-hmm. right? There were various topics. We mm-hmm. talked about some stuff on the front end. Then we talked about sponsor, sponsorship, some other stuff. And, and I have a... Hold on. I need to reach for okay. it. Okay. Yep. I have a uh, a topic mm-hmm. wheel. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I have both a topic wheel mm-hmm. and a step oh, wheel. Okay. Yes. Wow. And this is a very impressive step wheel. <laughs> uh, Huge wheel you've constructed in your studio AA. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Yes. Yes. Me and my son. Just we were up all last night. <laughs> so much uh, service building work, this John. from so scratch. So much service work. <laughs> Uh, seriously, I don't know. How do you describe this? It's like- uh, it is, uh, I don't know how you made this app, but it looks like a very homemade app that is on your laptop right now. It barely looks serviceable. So we'll see, <laughs> yeah. we'll see what happens. But it'll make noise. Okay, let's hear, second, it. let's hear right? it. Let's hear it. So we, what we're going to do okay. is spin the wheel, mm-hmm. the step wheel, yep. and then whatever it lands on, mm-hmm. you will uh, comment on. Okay, but so will you. Uh, probably, okay. but you know, right. maybe, maybe not. Okay, well, let's uh, see hopefully, what yeah, yeah. You can, you can it. pick me up when I'm falling down over here, John. You know. <laughs> there we go. All right, so here we go. Yep. There it is. It does make a noise. God, feels very <laughs> official. Feels very official. Step seven. Ooh, wow. So, 
Uh, step seven, uh, wait a second, humbly asked him to remove, yeah, humbly asked him mm-hmm. to remove our shortcomings. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a couple little thoughts yep. here to get you started. So obviously the, the subject of humility always comes up, mm-hmm. right? Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. And then, you know, wh- wh- what, wh- what are these shortcomings and, and how it, how it occurs in the book is just those two chapters and you have the seven step prayer in there, mm-hmm. you know, God, I am, I'm here. I am asking that you take all of me. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on the seven step prayer? Excuse me, the seven yeah. step. So, uh, this is great. I, I do love step seven. I guess I, I will say that every time you spin the wheel probably, <laughs> but I do have a special love for step seven. And I think it's funny because I remember the first time in doing the steps, right? You do one through three. Uh, a lot of that is talking and not a lot of work. You write this inventory down. You share it with your sponsor. And I remember for me, when I had gotten that first fifth step done, it was August in Austin. And my sponsor read six and seven out of the big book to me, which is gives the shortest shrift of any of the steps, right? Six yeah. and seven happen very fast in the big book. Very quick. And so he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out to this prayer hut. Um, there's a, a, a prayer hut that's outside of a church. You can go anywhere uh, uh, in the book. It says returning home, right? A but prayer he, hut. A prayer hut. So I've never heard outside of, of this church was this like very jinky, non-air conditioned <laughs> building. And this is August jinky? in Austin. Yeah. I mean, jinky, like you open the door and it feels like it might fall off when you open it. I mean, it's that kind of thing. You're afraid to sit down because it may, one, it's dirty and two, you're not sure if it's going to hold your weight. So this is before cell phones. And so I'm sitting in there with, you know, some kind of clock and my book. And he's like, okay, we're going to do this stuff. And, you know, here's the things that I need you to do. And you're going to sit in there for an hour while you're doing these things. Right. And so, uh, um, you know, you review the work that you had done until that point. Did you say no AC? No AC. Was it, what time of year? It was like a hundred degrees. No, it was August, Austin. <laughs> it was like a hundred degrees and a hundred percent humidity. <laughs> so It was a real penance he felt like I had to pay apparently for this. I don't know this, if he had done it in January and it felt a lot more comfortable and he's just like, we're doing this with everybody. But I was like, maybe not in August. And what he does. It sounds like a sweat line. It really, that's exactly what's what it felt like. <laughs> He goes and sits in his car with it running. So I can't even like shortchange the hour that the book says you have to do. So I review the material, right? I do the seventh step prayer, which is, you know, what we, which is what we do. And then there's like 56 minutes left. You know, I'd gotten everything done in four minutes and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to sit in here for the next 56 minutes. And so really the first time I did the steps, it felt like it could have been like a 10 step program. Like I'm not sure what I was supposed to get out of six and seven, what I was supposed to get out of that hour. I will also say that, you know, whatever it was, 15 years after the book was written, Bill wrote the 12 and 12, right? And these essays that are reflections on the steps. And when I look at those essays uh, on the reflections, there's several of those that really stand out to me. Maybe the biggest of which is the essay that he wrote about step seven in the 12 and 12 and how important that step is. You know. And so I, I want to, yeah. for, for those who may not know what Casey's talking about with the hour, um, you know, maybe people who are new to yeah. the uh, Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous or something like that. 
the, it comes right after the fifth step. It says, and this is at the bottom of page 75 in the big book, it says, returning home, we find a, and your sponsor went off script a little bit. He really did. With the jinky. Yeah, uh with the jinky prayer hut. (laughs) Not AA approved. (laughs) Prayer hut. I keep thinking pizza hut, like... (laughs) <laughs> like they're going to serve up. I prayers. wish it was a pizza hut. Uh, returning home for an hour, we find a place where we can ha- where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. And by what we have done, they mean the first five steps. Mm-hmm. It says we thank God from. The- and this is what 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 Casey's talking about, where he spent six minutes doing this, mm-hmm. and then it was like, okay, we've got <laughs> what fifty six minutes left, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> taking uh, taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page where it contains the fir- where it contains the twelve steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, first five steps, mm-hmm. we ask if we have admitted anything. If we are building an arch that we shall, which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our wa- work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? Mm-hmm. And so that's what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like you sat down and were yep. considering those things that's right. uh, for at least six minutes. And then, <laughs> and then I consider them more now when I do it. Right. But at the time it was just like, oh, okay, yeah. I considered them. Right. You know, we're done. Yeah. Now what do we do? <laughs> And then, so let's let's do the seven step yeah. prayer while we're here as well, because it's beautiful. It right? is. And for those of you who may want to read it along at home, this is on page seventy six. In fact, why don't you go ahead and read it, please? Oh, I th- oh, I thought you were looking at it. I was looking at step You're... seven and the twelve and twelve, but I can read it. Uh, I, I okay. Here, I, I got it. I okay, got it. Go ahead, my creator. I am now willing that you should have. Fifty percent of me. <laughs> Don't think that's what it says. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. All of me, <laughs> just the good. Uh, no, right. no, no, it doesn't no, say that not either. Just the good either. Okay, it says my creator, my creator. I am. By the way, I love that term. Me for, too. Um, for God, uh, my creator. I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you may now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows grant me strength as i go out from here to do your bidding mm-hmm. such an old timey yep uh, it really is yeah it really is so and then it says after that amen we have now completed step seven mm-hmm. by saying that prayer yep so do you remember saying the prayer and uh, kind of going through that process? I, d- I do. I remember saying the prayer. And I will say that for me today, this is a prayer that I say very often. I mean, really every day. Um, and it's it's such an interesting prayer. It makes me think of the third step prayer too, because what I'm praying for is for these things to be removed but the reason why I'm having them removed is to be of service, right? right? And I love that about it, right? This is, I, I am going to feel better in this process, but I love Gary Kay and I listen to him every time he's he's on your podcast. I probably listen to his podcast five times each, but he talks about removing all that inventory off the shelf and making room. And so that's what I'm saying here is I want to take these 
these difficulties off the shelf so that I can make room for love and service. And so that's, that's an important thing for me to remember all the time, right? Not a self-help program, a God help program where I am uh, trying to fit myself to be of maximum usefulness to God and my fellows. And this is this prayer and this sentiment is a big part of that process, I think. Was there something in the 12 and 12? It was. So whenever I think of step seven, I always think of the 12 and 12. I think of the seven-step prayer. I think of the 12 and 12. I also think of sweating. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) I'll read one paragraph because I I may say this thought in meetings more than anything else, and it's become more and more meaningful the longer I've been sober. It's the second paragraph in step seven out of the 12 and 12. It says, indeed, the attainment of greater humility is the foundation principle of each of AA's 12 steps. For without some degree of humility, we alcoholics can... Um, we, uh, no alcoholic can stay sober at all. Nearly all AAs have found too, that unless they develop much more of this precious quality than may be required just for sobriety, they still haven't much chance of becoming truly happy without it. They cannot live to much useful purpose or in adversity, be able to summon the faith that can meet any emergency. And I just think about for me, when I first came into the program and started working with that sponsor uh, and started working the steps, I got relieved of my alcoholism pretty quickly, you know? Um, and, and one of the things that Bill really talks about kind of later in his sobriety is this idea of emotional sobriety. And I feel like this is kind of a foundation of that concept of emotional sobriety where I'm not just reaching for this program enough to stay physically sober. I'm reaching for this program and God so much so that I'm going to be happy. And if I'm going to continue to be happy, I've got to continue to reach for that humility. Um, and so it's kind of like there's this, there's two levels of humility, uh, really three levels of humility, the kind of humility I had before I didn't get into the program, which was zero, you know, uh, I got humiliated quite a bit, but didn't mm-hmm. seek any humility new in the program enough to stay sober, but not enough to feel necessarily happy, joyous, and free. The longer I work those steps and do what you guys have told me to do, the consistency of that leads to the happiness, right? The happiness is the residue of really practicing the principles in all my affairs, using these steps everywhere. The happiness is the residue. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. How did you say that? The happiness is the residue of what? Happiness is the residue of the 12 steps. Work in the 12 steps. Yes. Yeah. The residue. Yeah. I, because I think, you know, I got here and I was, I was desperate. You know, I, I, I felt like I was going to die. Um, I felt like, um, you know, the world around me was collapsing. Um, uh, nothing was ever enough. I could not be satisfied. Wherever I was, I wanted to be somewhere else, you know? And so, you know, in, in the process of, of clearing off the shelves, right, the, the happiness started to come. And, and now that I've been sober for a while, thank God I haven't thought about drinking, right? But I want to continue to be happy, you know, and if I'm going to continue to be happy, I'm going to continue to work these steps. I'm going to reach out for the humility in the, in the 12 and 12 that says something to the effect of, we found this desirable, right? Humility desirable for the first time. And, and we could reach out to it, 
you know, and, and grasp humility as much as we could kind of be humiliated, right? Because that was how I had been humbled in the past was through the humiliation rather than actively reaching for it. Because I will say that for me, humility will find me, right? I will either reach out for it or humiliation will follow. It's going to happen. I'm having a human experience. And so I'm going to be right-sized one way or the other. Reaching out for it is a lot uh, more comfortable and happy for me than getting hit over the head with humiliation. That's good. Okay, let me make a uh, quick announcement here. We will be continuing our conversation with KCW in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the worldwide interweb at www.soberspeak.com. You can also find the donate button on our website, which you can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. All right, now back to KCW. Anything else you want to say about step seven there? I don't think so. I think we covered it. Is there anything you want to say about step seven? No, but here's what, this is really what I'm struggling here right now. We've, I'm thinking about making this just a, just a specific six and seven. Yeah. Uh, pod yeah as opposed to the topic wheeling going yeah. on and going down some sort of other t- yep. tangent all right so let's just go ahead uh and for everybody out there listening we just go <laughs> go we, where the spirit leads yeah. we prayed before and said take us somewhere and if we're getting taken somewhere then let's do it <laughs> that's right i just kind of <laughs> go with uh, you know I, I don't have a, a real formula as, as you yeah. know i sit down and and I just, you know, we don't, we talk a little bit about what we're going to say yep. on the front end, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't have a real formalized yeah. process. Nope. I think it's great. Um, all right. So then, <clears throat> then let's talk about steps. We're doing them in, in, in a little opposite order, but yep. you know, it doesn't matter. Nope. Uh, and, and they are very much related to each other. Mm-hmm. So step six, uh, uh, humbly, humbly, humbly at, wait, wait, yeah. Humbly asked him. To remove our short stomach. So, so I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to read this, this chapter yep. here in the book. Excuse me, this uh, paragraph mm-hmm. in the book. And uh, this is right after what I uh, had read at the bottom of uh, page 75, where we take an hour and we consider, you know, if the stones are in place and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, all right? Yep. And then right at the top of, of uh, page 76, it says... If we can answer to our satisfaction, in other words, yes, uh, those first five proposals, mm-hmm. we, have, we haven't skimped, right? We've done the right thing. Mm-hmm. We know that we're heading in the right direction. Well, here's what I would tell you. I mean, to me, the skimp is, is there something I didn't say in my fifth step, right? That's, that, that's the biggest skimp because it warns about this later that um, if we're not entirely honest with somebody, right? That the step's not effective. I mean, for me, when I did that first fifth step, there was something I absolutely did not want to tell my sponsor. And I actually wrote it down and put it in my back pocket away from the other papers that I had had. And he said to me at the end of that, he said, is there anything else? 
right? And and I kept thinking about that piece of paper in my back pocket, you know, and there must have been enough silence that happened between the two of us that he was like, okay, there is something else. So what is it, right? And I, I pulled the piece of paper out and told him. I personally have done this a lot of times with a lot of people, myself, listened to uh, and told. And I know that the efficacy comes when I am saying everything. You know, it says in the book, nothing counts but thoroughness and honesty, right? Right. And, and so if I'm not intentionally leaving something out, then I'm doing my thoroughness and honesty. And so to me, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking at when I'm reviewing those other five is, did I leave something out? Because to me, that's, that's the place where a lot of people stumble. You know, I'm going to do one, one, two, three to the best of my ability. But if I'm intentionally leaving something out of five, the rest of the steps are not going to be as effective for me. Yeah, and just to play a little devil's advocate, I, I I do agree that it would probably be step five that yep. people would be most yep they they would have the tendency to skimp on most. Mm-hmm. However, yep. I think it can also be saying, you know, do I really believe I'm alcoholic? Yeah. Uh, do I really believe that there's a power greater than myself mm-hmm. that can restore me to sanity? Yep. And there could be some other stones that were not yep. properly put in place in that way as well. Totally. But, but the fifth step is probably no, I agree the one. And you know, something Brian P said on the last, which I just absolutely loved, which is you and I are talking about the steps. We're talking about the way we work the steps. We're talking about the steps out of the book and out of the 12 and 12. If there's some other way somebody's doing it and having great success with, that's awesome. You know, the thing that I worry about is people who have come into the program and are not doing it the way it's said out of the book and not getting good results, right? Those are the people that I worry about. If somebody can come to meetings and sit there and, and, and be happy, joyous, and free, my hats are off to them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I need that it, for me. That's the middle of the road solution, right? The whole solution is what you and I are talking about right now is doing to the best of our ability, reading through the book. And when there's, it tells us to do something, we do that thing, right? Right. And we just got, you and I both just got back from a meeting. Yep. Uh, we went to this Frisco Fourth Dimension right. room at noon. And the topic uh, that Lacey had brought up, actually, mm-hmm. uh, it, was, it was a combo topic. But yep. the, the main thing that I got out of it is whenever we are disturbed, mm-hmm. there is something the matter with us. Right. And I immediately thought of several things I was disturbed about. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and I thought... This is good news, bad news, yeah. right? I have awareness about this mm-hmm. now, but the bad news is I really need to do something right. about this. Yep. And you and I have both talked about here recently through uh, like either listening to other speakers or just having conversations with each other or whatever the case may be. Yep. Uh, the, 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 I don't know if you call it the, the, the problem, but we, we have both kind of thought to ourselves you know, I'm not working this thing as well as I should right. work it. Yeah. And, and that's where, you know, you get convicted, you keep coming to these mm-hmm. meetings, you keep coming to, uh, you keep talking to other people in the program, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden these things come up. And the idea is that, well, I need to do something about these, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, I, I think you said earlier, like, it just stuff it down or whatever. Right. Yeah, I, I think... Um I think it just, more will be revealed. You know, I think that's exactly what, when I continue to come, when I continue to practice all three sides of the triangle, right? More does get revealed. I I learn, you know, what I, what my definition of a good employee changes, right? Uh, And I keep in the morning, 
God, what would you have me do and be, right? And, and try to keep that as a thought throughout the day, talking to people like you on the phone, going to meetings, continuing to read books, trying to keep my mouth shut and listen to what other folks are saying, trying to figure out where I can be of service. You know, when you're doing all of those things, for me at least, when I'm doing all those things, more does get revealed and I realize, oh, here's something else that I can do and here's something else that I can do. And I I think it's good news. You know, I mean, it says that we need to continue to enlarge our spiritual experience uh, to stay sober. And it just said that I got to grasp out for more humility if I want to be happy. So the good news is, as the onion gets peeled back, I feel like happiness continues to come in bigger bunches. Mm-hmm. What's you You use that example sometimes about how you wake up in the day and you ask God how you can serve other people. And then what? Right. Then my wife turns over and says, Hey, honey. You know, anytime, anytime the sentence starts with, Hey, honey, I know what is next. You know, today it was, we went to the storage shed before I came to the meeting to get some boxes out, right? For Halloween decorations. And tomorrow's going to be a day where I am pretty much dedicated to my wife, which is great. But you know, the, the, the nice thing about that for me today is when I do ask, How can I serve? Um, and, uh, I try to go about and mean it, right? I, I say that in the morning because I really do want to be of service because you know, as well as I do that when I am of service to the best of my ability, it's when I feel the best. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a selfish thing and it's when my relationships are the best too, you know, and, and tomorrow will be a, a day I would imagine that's entirely dedicated to my wife and doing things that she would want me to do. And I hate to admit this, but I'm looking forward to spending the day with her doing the thing that she wants to do. Cause I know she enjoys it. She enjoys having my help. That has been like a recent revelation, John, you know, and I've been sober for a while and married for a while. And that's been a recent revelation. And I think if I keep coming back and keep doing what you've asked, I will continue to have more of those revelations. I think you said once something like your the uh, you asked where you could be of service also and and then your mother helped for she asked for some help with her computer and you're yes. like this is not yeah, what I had my, in mind when my mom comes shuffling into my office with her laptop and is like I'm like oh no this is not have you tried to turn it on and off mom yeah I meant could I speak to ten thousand people at an AA yeah, conference yeah exactly I mean and you know Mother Teresa saved some lives you know I'm trying to really I'm trying to really do something important god i'm not talking about helping my mom with her laptop (laughs) (laughs) okay so let me go back to this uh, step six here and finish it out it says so uh it says we have emphasized willingness as being indispensable oh okay so let me take that in for a second Mm -hmm. so so give me your thoughts on willingness god so Willingness is the exact opposite of the way I lived my life before I got here. My life before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous was contempt prior to investigation. I knew everything. You couldn't tell me anything. And so I'm certainly not willing to do any new things because I don't need to because I know everything. You know, that first sponsor and, you know, Alcohol did what alcohol does, which beat me into a state of reasonableness where I was ready to listen to other people. And even though I sat in those meetings 
And the idea that God was going to keep me sober and working these steps were going to cause something magical to happen in my life seemed like such a ludicrous idea when I first got here, you know, but I had gotten to the point to where I was like, okay, I'm willing to give it a try, you know? And, and I think the way willingness shows up for me today is I, I try to, I try to make my initial um, thought when someone asks me about something or to do something or to anything is to be yes, you know, say yes to things. You know, my, that was something outside of the book that my sponsor talked to me about was when somebody asks you to do something that you've never done before and you can do it, just say yes to it and go see what happens and see if you like it. You may like it. You may not. This is how we're going to, part of the way we're going to discover who we are, right? And, and not the willingness to say yes to a service commitment, the willingness to go out and do the steps, the willingness to do things that I'm uncomfortable with, you know, mm-hmm. at the beginning of step six in the 12 and 12, it says, you know, this is the step step that separates the men from the boys, the kid, essentially the children from the adults, right? And and that first sponsor said to me, "How do you expect to be a mature human being without experiencing some pain and some discomfort?" Right? That this is how we grow and mature is experiencing this discomfort. And, and I hear people say it in meetings all the time: get comfortable with being uncomfortable, and that is the truth. You know, I, today I still need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and I try, I don't always do this, Mm -hmm. but what I, what I try to do Mm -hmm. is when I feel that uncomfortability, if I can have the attitude of this is God telling me that there's something I need to look at, Mm -hmm. to work on, uh, to lean into this Mm -hmm. and not to run away from it. And figure out, you know, how can I get, you know, it usually comes down for me, at least, to getting mm-hmm. closer to the God of my understanding. Yeah. And unblocking whatever, you know, and I'm, I'm taking a deep breath here as I say that. And it's usually what it is. It's about being able to take that deep breath and knowing that these fears that I have going on up in my head and these resentments that I'm playing over and over, it's not where God would have me be, right? Mm-hmm. And he'd have me uh, leaning in another direction, leaning toward him and not being so afraid. Yeah. You know, in the morning, not only do I say thy will be done in the morning on my knees, right? I say thy will not mine be done, right? right? And so as the day goes on and something doesn't go my way, when I'm spiritually fit, I'm thinking, okay, well, God has other plans for this for today, right? But when I'm not spiritually fit, I'm struggling, right? And I'm trying to swim upstream and against maybe where God would have me be. So it's like, don't be surprised throughout the day if things don't go your way. As a matter of fact, you've probably forgotten, but this morning you were on your knees saying, not mine be done. And right now, not yours is being done. You asked for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You asked for it. You, you asked for it. You got That's it. Right. You got it. That's right. So then it says, are we now ready? And this is step six, mm-hmm. once again, at the top of page 76. Mm-hmm. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which have been admitted uh, which have been admitted are objectionable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we admitted are objectionable. They're, I'm assuming they're talking about the fifth step yep, in that, right? Yeah, yep. And, so and, we're and all those at, character defects. 
Right. So you look at those character defects, mm-hmm. you got the fourth column. That's We're right. saying these things are objectionable. Yep. But then what happens is, right, as you know, we get up and we got going through the day and we take mm-hmm. those things back in again. Yep. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on that? It, it's it's interesting because for me, when when I think about all those character defects, I'm like, of course I want to get rid of those. You know, obviously, right. that's Who what's wouldn't? blocking me from God. And then, you know, my kids ask me to help them with something I'm like, well, I'm playing video games right now. You know, it's, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, there's this selfishness that I'm saying that I, I genuinely know that I, in my head, I need to get rid of. But then if you followed me around throughout the day, you're like, eh, not sure that you do want to get rid of that selfishness. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I remember early on my... I was talking about, you know, I got a girlfriend in my first year of sobriety, you know, and uh, some people say do, some people say don't. My sponsor was fine, go for it. But he's, I remember I was talking to him like for the fifth or sixth time about what she was doing, right? I have no idea how to be a good boyfriend at this time. I mean, I'm 18 years old and have not cared about anything aside from, and he said, you know, maybe you should concentrate on what you can bring to the relationship rather than what you can take from the relationship. Ouch. And I just thought, how am I going to get what I want if I'm concentrated on giving things? You know, and, and so that's that's it. You know, I'm doing these things and finding yeah. these things objectionable, but how do they matriculate actually into my life and into daily living? Because it's easy for me to say, sure, I want to get rid of all these defects. Uh, but then going out and trying to live that out, knowing that I'm going to make mistakes. But from the starting position of I'm selfish, I'm fearful. Yeah. I'm angry, you know, my ego is hurt. Um, and, and how do I really, how does that, how does that really show up for me? I mean, I think that's why six and seven is so important. I do think that's it, why it separates kind of the adolescence of my life and sobriety with more mature sobriety that I hope continues to mature because I definitely continue to fall short, right? After says after that it says can he God now take all every all excuse me can he now take them all all of those defects every one if we still cling to something we will not let go we ask God to help us be willing mm-hmm. reminds me of uh, Mac in our group yep I've heard him say this before. Mm-hmm. He said um, he kind of came to a fork in the road, so to speak, with a particular decision. He was thinking to himself, should I do this and should I not? Mm-hmm. And then he thought to himself, well, if I pray, it'll work. But then he just said, well, I'm not going to pray because I know it will work. Right? And I, have, I understand yeah. that logic. I'm not going to pray because I know it will work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's step six and seven. Is there anything else you want? I, there's another question I want to talk yeah. to you about. It. I'll just say one other thing about six and it talks about this a lot in the 12 and 12. And I remember early on in, in sobriety, you know, it was like, cash register honesty, don't punch people. You know, I mean, it's just like these big ticket items of, of bad behavior, right? But then in six, it talks about these smaller, you know, uh, the smaller bad behavior that I have where I'm talking about someone to someone else. And if that person was with us, I certainly wouldn't be saying those things, right? Gossiping about someone. 
um, and the importance of not doing that. You know, the, the idea that I, um, you know, the idea that I, the, the one that, the one that gets me the worst is silent scorn, right? Something happens at the house and someone makes me mad. And instead of blowing up because I'm this spiritual giant, right? I'm just going to sit on the couch and fold my arms and hope that they notice how upset I am by what they just said and how they hurt me, right? I'm an expert. Right. And so it's like, I need to, okay, yeah, you did. You're doing great on these big ticket items, but what about this smaller course correction? What about the selfishness that you have at work? Right? How how do you bring that spirituality there? Um, how do I prevent myself from being prideful over, um, you know, I'm doing it right, other people are doing it wrong. You know, if they would just do this, everything would be fine, right? And these are all things that go on in my mind, and that may not be something that necessarily hurts them you know, uh, uh, in the same way that I was hurting people in the past, but it's certainly not allowing the channel of God to flow to me so that I can be love and service, right? It, 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 that is something that is absolutely going to block me from that. And so I like the way it talks about that in six, it's these lesser defects of character that I need to, obviously the big ones are important and, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like I haven't participated in big ones in a while, but the small ones I participate in all the time and I have to watch for yeah likewise brother yeah i just thought about uh i've never read the book i've heard of it drop the rock mm-hmm. have you ever read that oh yeah isn't that all about six and seven yeah, am i right about that's that exactly right. what, so i mean i can just envision what the book is about i'm assuming it's you know drop all this baggage that i'm hanging yeah. on to but what's the well i mean i i, I think i think that it kind of takes the essays that bill wrote i mean it's not a approved literature mm. But it, it kind of takes those essays and, and it expounds on them even more. I mean, it, it it continues to carry home the importance of, you know, this uncovered, discovered, discard process, you know. And so Drop the Rock and New Pair of Glasses, I think, are both great ones to read uh, to kind of go further and dig deeper into uh, how do I continue to recognize these? Because that's... That's the first step, right? Is recognizing that these are happening in my life, right? Uncover them and then discover how they're being used in my life and then doing my best to discard them, knowing that I'm probably going to come back and pick those up. And so the, you know, obviously the drop, drop the rock is I'm carrying this load around that I do not need to carry around. Right. And how do I drop that? Yeah. Um, that is, uh, and just so everybody, in case you're listening to this and you don't know who A New Pair of Glasses is, it's by Chuck C. You can find it on Amazon. You can pretty much find it mm-hmm. uh, anywhere. In fact, yep. we even have it on our website, yep. silverspeak.com. Cool. Um, all right. So the other the, the other thing is more of a kind of a, a funner type of topic mm-hmm. and kind of a, a, a promotional thing, yep. because I know you're very involved in it, is the uh, Icky Paw thing. You just yeah. recently went to New Orleans. Yeah, and I did. So tell people about your experience yeah. with that and you know what you went, what you're going to be doing, and yeah. what Icky Paw is and all that kind sure. of stuff. Sure, yeah. So <clears throat> uh, when I first got sober, I was 17, uh, right before my 18th birthday. And um, early on, I gravitated towards younger people in the program. So you know? explain that, that uh, what do you call it, acronym, Icky Paw, and what that is. So YPAW is what they talk about, and that's Young People in AA. Okay. It's been around for over 60 years. 
And then there are a ton of conferences that come with that. And there's also meetings that are specifically young people's meetings. We have a few of them in Dallas. And so Ikipaw is the International Conference of Young People in AA. Then there are regional conferences, Southeast, Southwest, Northeast, um, Heartland. And so a bunch of states get together and we'll have a weekend conference. And then there's also state conferences. There's a Texas conference, Texipaw, which is happening in San Antonio uh, the first weekend in November, and I will be there. But it, so there's a, there's a place that I think that, I don't know, there, I feel like there's a little bit of confusion about it. One is I tell people, oh, we're going to Ikipaw, and they're like, uh, isn't that for young people? Aren't you 50? You know, so it's like, can anyone <laughs> yeah. go to that thing? I was like, they're not checking IDs at the door. It's just a regular <laughs> conference. Uh, it's just got a different level of like energy, enthusiasm, and focus, right? But for me, um, when I first got sober, those young people meetings were, and the young people in the program um, showed me that you could be a teenager and be sober, yeah. right? And I needed to see that because I saw plenty of examples of 60-year-old men sober. And I was like, well, I'm not a 60-year-old man, and I don't want to go to Luby's for lunch every day. <laughs> and so I want to do fun teenage things, right? And I want to do it sober. Yeah, you want to be able to ask people like, well, you wouldn't have back then, but like, what's your snap? And they give you an answer. Yeah, exactly. You know, it it was... those young people's meetings too, it's the same way it is today, which is like, there's all the, like the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting. And there's just this camaraderie and fellowship. And and it really showed me how to, uh, how to stay sober the other 23 hours of the day, right? For the hour that I was at a meeting, very safe, very protected, felt very good. uh, After I'd gotten a sponsor and started working steps, but then it was like, what do we do for fun now? You know, I mean, um, and, and so this, uh, the first couple of conferences that I went to that were young people's conferences just like literally blew my mind. I mean, I, it's just so much excitement and energy and enthusiasm for sobriety. And uh, I, I think especially with young people's conferences, it's probably this way with all conferences, but like this idea that you're going to bring somebody that's never been before or somebody who's new and they're going to get to have the same experience that you had when you were new um, is just, it's a really powerful thing. And it's one of those where it's like going to see Joe and Charlie or going to another conference, going to one of these, you come back you come back to your home group on fire for sobriety and recovery and right. spirituality and enlarging your spiritual experience. And so I think conferences have that everywhere, right? That's every conference that I've ever been to. I've had that feeling when I left that conference. A young people's conference is like next level. You know, Saturday night they have what's called the hype before the speaker meeting. And so an hour before the speaker meeting starts, they open the doors, everyone runs to their seats, the music is going, lights are going, the DJ's playing music, people are standing on their seats dancing. This is like the hour before the speaker meeting even starts, right? And then, you know, like on Saturday nights, they do the sobriety countdown and you get to see who has a bunch of sobriety and the the person with the most sobriety in the room gives big books to the person with the, you know, the least amount of sobriety in the room. And and it's a way to kind of gather around those newer people that are there for the first time and make them the most important person in the room, which is, you know, you hear people, there was a guy who was talking, um, spoke from the podium at this last Icky Paw, and he was talking about like, 
he stayed sober because he had gone to that to Ikipaw for the first, you know, in his first 90 days of sobriety. And so it's a powerful thing for people. It's a powerful thing for people. That's great. And you just recently went to New Orleans. I did. We went to New Orleans. Now they had had to cancel the last two. Yeah. And so the, the, um, kind of the tagline for Icky Paw in New Orleans was best Icky Paw in three years. Because. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so God bless those people. They had been planning for and everything for 2020 and they canceled it a month or two before. Yeah. And then they planned everything for 2021 and then canceled it a month or two before. And so thank goodness we were able to do it in 2022. It was COVID concerns and other things, yeah. but yeah. it was, it, it, it had to get canceled, but now those are all coming back. You're able to go to conferences again. And so, like I said, if you get a chance to go to one of those, there's a couple that are happening in Dallas or in Texas. There's one that's happening in the San Antonio one, the first weekend of November. Yeah. And then Cirque Paw is the Southeast and I believe that it is happening in June in Dallas. And so there's another one that'll be here local to come to. But if you go out there and, and search for YPA in whatever state that you're in across the U.S., you are going to find something. It's international too, even if you're across the pond or wherever, you're going to okay, find Okay, so it. tell people what to search for again. So I, I would search for YPA. I mean, it, you can go w- to... It, yeah, Y-P-A-A. Y-P-A-A. And so you can do Texas YPA or... So for... Every, everyone has a pretty similar acronym. Texie Paw for Texas, Oki Paw for Oklahoma, you know, Lacey Paw for Louisiana, Icky Paw. So they're they're all relatively easy to find. Yeah. And if you're having a hard time getting connected to it or finding it, you can always reach out to John. That's right. And reach out to me and I'll yeah. help you find it. Yeah, just email me, J-O-H-N at soberspeak.com and I'll get Casey involved and we'll get you the information yeah. you need. All right. As always, my friend, the time flies when we're having fun. Yes. I always have fun with you, John. Likewise. All right. So here's page 164 from the big book. It says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you. In the fellowship of the spirit, much like Ikipa. Mm-hmm. And you will surely meet some of us, like me and KCW, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you again, Mr. Casey. I Thanks, appreciate John. you. Bye bye. As always, I so much appreciate. KCW taking time out of his schedule to come in here, spend it with me, share his experience, strength, and hope with the listeners. And not only that, but uh, he does all kinds of stuff for Alcoholics Anonymous in the background. And uh, uh, I'm, I personally am very grateful for your service there, Mr. KCW. If you enjoyed that episode, and who would not have enjoyed that episode, please Take some time to pause your device, whatever you're listening on. Hit that little share button and share it with a friend or family member. That episode may be just what they need today. Now on to a little bit of a listener feedback. The first piece of feedback here is from Dana C. Dana writes in and she says, and the the subject line is Ricky R's article. Now, let me just tell you what she's talking about here. 
is an article that we recently published on the website. If you go to soberspeak.com and click on blog, uh, at least as of this writing right now, it's the first article you'll see. Or if you want to search in the website, it says the article is entitled How to Take Someone Through the Steps. Because we get this question a lot, you know, how do I take somebody through the steps? The book can be a little bit, uh, uh, when I say the book, the big book can be a little bit cryptic. If you're not used to kind of finding your way through it, or you haven't listened to Joe and Charlie or something like that. But anyway, uh, this one's entitled, <clears throat> she was writing in about Ricky R's article on the website that we recently released. And it says, Howdy, John, thank you for the simple and informative article from Ricky R. It was very much appreciated. And I see it as a means to get a sick and suffering to a place of legitimate sanity. So we can be usefully whole and of maximum service to God and our fellows. Way to go, Ricky. When I say the same thing, Dana, way to go, Ricky. Sober speak, <clears throat> says Dana, excuse me, is my new favorite social media for finding experience, strength, and hope from those who have recovered from the alcoholic pit. Thank you, John M., for trudging that extra mile. Dana C. in Canton, Texas. Well, she's talking about the website there, I believe. And uh, thanks for Dana. Thank you for Dana. Thank you, Dana, for writing in. I sure do appreciate it. And thanks for giving a little bit of a shout out to Ricky there. He's a great guy. Um, the next, uh, <clears throat> oh, you can see here, I am uh, having a little bit of uh, issues uh, uh, talking today. And when you're doing audio, talking is very relevant. Anyway, Rob writes in and Rob says, hello, John M. I live in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. I have only just discovered the difference from sobriety and recovery. I began my sober journey after my ex-girlfriend shot me in the head on May 31st of 220. And let me just say this. Um, I don't get a lot of pictures, but Rob sent me a pretty graphic photo. It looked like uh, after he had had surgery on his head uh, after being shot uh, by his girlfriend. I'm just assuming that what it, that's what it was. But anyway, he says, I am now finishing the last two years of a four-year tale for my pro probation. When I was recovering in the hospital, I had discovered I had committed two felony counts of domestic violence that, thank goodness, I don't remember. All of this took place in the Denver area of Colorado, and I have moved to Minnesota in February of this year to live with my sister and my mother. The first 18 months of sobriety was spent, quote, white knuckling until I found the rooms after posting my first video uh, on TikTok and the recovery community came out of the woodworks in full support. This was the beginning of my recovery. <clears throat> and uh, as I was meeting a friend when I moved to Minnesota who lived in a town at an Al-Anon meeting, <clears throat> there 
we met up with a, a mutual friend and went to his house where he was hosting one of four recovery Zooms he's responsible for. This was Tim P., who ultimately ended up being my sponsor. After that experience, I destroyed the 30 and 30. He's talking about 30 meetings in 30 days and went to four recovery meetings, uh, four rec- recovery Zoom meetings a day and, and one in person a week. I have been working on the steps ever since, and he sends me a text every morning. I am on my way to what I refer to as the whole person change, and I have ripped the rear view mirror off so I can be present in the moment and not distracted by a place. I'm not going. Just because I will die an alcoholic does not mean I am going to die from alcoholism or addiction. I recognize that my disease is trying to kill me every day and I must tell on my disease to keep it in check and meetings have been the only medicine for me. I now live as a raptor, R-A-P-T-O-R. And it looks like that is an acronym. I've heard a lot of them, but I don't think I've heard this one. Recovering addict slash alcoholic, promising to own his recovery and recovery out loud for the still sick and suffering and the person who is in recovery that is still thinking about going back out. I have just discovered your podcast this past week and I listened to your last six episodes last night while I was working. All of them have been amazing as well as your perspective. Thank you for being, as you say it, my meeting between meetings. And then I've never seen these little emojis before. It's like a heart emoji with, you know, the two hands coming together. Uh, But anyway, all right. Thank you so much, Rob, for writing in. And uh, man, I am glad you recovered from that gunshot to the head. That was a pretty graphic looking video. Thanks for sharing it. Marie M. writes in and she says, Hi, John M. That's no relation, by the way. It's Marie M. and John M., but we're not related. She says, I'm in Minnesota. Oh, another Minnesota. And she says, I have been listening to the pod for about six months. It was about time I joined the super secret Facebook group. Well, welcome, Marie. The speakers and the conversations you share share are inspirational to me. Keep up the great work and thank you, Marie P. Well, thank you, Marie P. And we're glad to have you in the group. Sam writes in and Sam says, my name is Sam L. I am an alcoholic. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I am 147 days sober today. Well, good for you, Sam. I am originally from Durant, Oklahoma. I know that area, just north of Frisco. Yes. And DFW is my old stomping grounds. I came across your podcast a few months back while looking for a recovery podcast on Google Podcasts. I travel for work in the Northern Arizona era and area, and it's hard to find a meeting when traveling. But I don't use that for an excuse to not work on my recovery. I had almost four years sober, but went back out because I put my job and my relationships before God and recovery. I shut myself off to the sunlight of the spirit. A dry drunk, he says. 
I found excuses like I work too much or going to meetings or I'm tired or I'll just stay home and I ended up drinking because of it. But I'm grateful that it happened because I gained the true gift of desperation and surrender. And that is what changed my life. I got my butt back to AA and I got a great sponsor and started working on the steps again. Also, I got service commitments with my home group and other 12-step fellowships. I listened to the old timers and the fellowship with them on a re- and then I and I fellowship with them on a regular basis, but I also have made friends in recovery and I have the same and have the same experience and goals I do. I rely on God and not on self. To anyone listening right now, the thing that has helped me the most is page 417. And it's, quote, nothing in God's world happens by mistake. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems. And he's talking about 417, but it's actually 449, I believe, if you're in the third edition. Um, and who knows what it'll be in the fifth edition. But uh, anyway, that's page 417 in the four, fourth edition. He says, thank you for what you are doing, John. You are truly doing God's work. Love you, brother, Sam L. Well, love back out to you, Sam L. I appreciate you. Oh, gosh, isn't that what we all aim to do um, is God's work. Um, I appreciate you saying that. Gene writes in and Gene says, hi, John, I'm in Sussex, England, and I have been sober AF for, for over two years. I'm a COVID baby. I love AA. I'm so grateful and lucky to be a part of this amazing program. I love the podcast. Uh, nearly every single guest you have tells a little bit about my story, and I absolutely love that. God bless you, John, and keep up the same work, uh, the, keep up the good work, Gene. Well, Gene in Sussex, England, across the pond, I sure do appreciate you writing in, and God bless you and the, all those around you. Anne writes in, last but not least, and she says, thank you, John, uh, for your lovely note. Oh, I, I reached out to her when she joined our group, I think is what I did. Anyway, I must have reached out to her at some point. And she says, thank you for the lovely note. And thank you, John. You are very kind. She says, I love your podcast and I listen to it on a regular basis. I love Joe Muck's episode so much last week that I wrote to him for the questions on immaturity. Of course, Charlie and Katie P are some of my favorites as well. David G is great. There are so many great ones. About me, I live in Carlsbad, California, which is about 30 minutes north of San Diego. Yes, I've been there. She says, I went to my first meeting in 2001, and today I have 11 years of sobriety. Let's just say I had a rough start. I honestly believe that watering down of AA plus some hard headiness on my part caused me repeated failures. 11 years ago, I got a sponsor who believed in accountability, so I had to call three times a week to schedule, and I had to schedule that in my calendar, and I made it no matter what. And I met with her once a week to read the big book. In addition, she told me that I had to rely on God, not just believe, excuse me, not just... Excuse me. 
I had to rely on God, not just believe in God. I think those two things more than anything else have been essential to my recovery. I also had made man, uh, made, made a man my higher power. And guess what? I bet I can guess what? She says, I learned that didn't work very well. So now God is my only HP. My relationship with my higher power and my sobriety are my prized possessions today. Getting to help other women achieve and deepen their sobriety is a beautiful thing. Another thing my sponsor taught me was that I didn't have to just survive my, my sobriety, but I could thrive in sobriety. I just had to be willing to dream it and ask for it. And guess what, John? I landed my dream job last, this past week. I am an expressive arts facilitator who gets to work with clients who have trauma, grief, depression, etc. And I help them use the arts to express their feelings when the words fail them. That sounds pretty cool. She says, this job in AA life are beyond my wildest dreams, which is uh, which sounded very trite early in sobriety, but has actually come true for me. In sobriety, in sobriety, I even got to travel to India where I was on a spiritual quest. Now, to be clear, I don't think anyone has to travel to India to find God, but what happens, but it happens to be part of my story. In receiving a blessing from a holy man, I sat bolt upright in bed, grabbed my journal, and wrote furiously. The result is a children's book called Beloved, excuse me, Beloved and the Pepper Tree. I had never aspired to be an author or much else prior to sobriety. So this has been quite a surprising chapter in my sober journey. Once again, that children's book, if you want to look it up, is Beloved and the Pepper Tree. Uh, She goes on, uh, things just seem to keep getting better. I hope I haven't rambled too much. Thank you for your service, yours in love and service. And well, you didn't ramble too much. And I hope that children's book does very well for you, Anne. All right, everybody, that is the wrap on another episode of Sober Speak. I'll be real honest with you here. What happened now? I um, started to watch it <laughs> as, as I finished up that last. I had a uh, have a television on up here in Studio AA, and I uh, a football game, a pro football game, caught my attention. So uh, that's that's kind of what happened. Uh, hey, it's not all spiritual, right? Um, and. Uh, how do I usually wrap this up? Oh, yeah. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. May God bless you and keep you until then. I take this one week at a time. I hope to be back next week. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. I know you have so many other things you could do with your time. And uh, be well. Have a safe, safe and sober week. Bye-bye.